Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is episode 70 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. My name's Daryl, and I'm your host as always. Second show of the week, and what a way to finish it. Really on a high, I think, from from all aspects. Uh, it's been a it's been a pr- pretty productive week. Um, been laughing a lot this week. Been enjoying myself this week, having a good time this week, and getting a lot done, which is always always the best kind of way of being productive, right? When you're having fun doing it, and that's certainly been this week. Really good sessions in the gym. Really good sessions. Some. Uh, some real progress being made there, feeling good uh, in my boxing and, and getting my cardio down and the strength feels good and I'm feeling you know strong overall. Uh, got a little massage booked for this weekend, which is going to be amazing. Uh, so some, some rest and relaxation as the weather outside uh, across London is diabolical. It's been diabolical all day, still is. Going into the evening and just a rainy, a rainy day, right? A rainy weekend just makes you want to stay in. So I think that's going to be the protocol for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Get a couple drinks in, get some food in, get some movies on, and just chill with the dogs, I think. Um, do that in front of the fire and, uh, yeah, just kind of, as I said, rest and relax and recover and, uh, Give these give these workouts over this past week or two a uh, chance to really settle in. Because if you just keep going and going and going, redlining it all the time, you're gonna burn out, right? So you gotta you gotta utilize your rest time, and that's one thing that I've looked at making a conscious effort to get more of uh, is sleep. Because you know you hear people like The Rock say it, and you know Mark Wahlberg say it, and even me. I, I mean. You know, not even, you know, not that I'm on any sort of level, but, um, you know, I'm up at 4.30 every morning, you know, the Jocko Willicks of the world, like we have the same alarm, you know, it's, um, we're up and at them. And that's fantastic as long as you look after the rest part of it. And I think that's the part I've really, truly been missing out on is getting enough rest, proper rest, not just, you know, not just sedentary, just not, not just doing like sitting awkwardly on the sofa or whatever, watching TV, like that's all fine and good as well, but proper sleep. Um, I certainly haven't been doing enough of that. And one thing at the top of the priority list that I certainly want to remedy. So I'm going to look to just kind of reevaluate how I finish the nights and finish the days. Um, what I, what I spend my time doing through those last sort of hours of every day and, and if I can make some adjustments to get a little bit more sleep and then I think that uh, that's definitely going to be the right move. You have to relax. You have to rest and you have to rest properly. Give yourself a – give your body a chance to recover itself and uh, and let the hard work take a hold and make the adapta- adaptive changes uh, that, that come off of that. So, you know, it's been a really good week from, a, from an activity point of view both from, you know, the gym and from work which is – you know, always a positive thing, especially when your company is going through changes as mine is. Um, you know, it's always it's always good to be in a position where you can push things forward. And I think that's contributed a lot to how I'm feeling and 
again, kind of the the time that I've spent laughing this week has been has been increased because the things I've been involved in I've enjoyed. Um, and for a lot of us, that's often not the case, right? Which is why I hate the the phrase "Happy Friday," the saying "Happy Friday" or or "Happy Hump Day," or uh, you know whatever it is. You got the case of the Mondays. I fucking hate that. Um, but it's like I think you can, you only really kind of quantify those things if you're not enjoying yourself day to day in your in your day to day activities. And you know, Happy Friday signifies to me not the upcoming like enjoyment of the weekend but the the letting go of the terrible four days before it you know and uh and i think that's just a, a, a that's i have a change of mindset is needed for for that you know i don't like hump day like middle of the week i don't even know like if it wasn't for the meetings i had i wouldn't know what day of the week it was ever right i go i go <laughs> i go more by workouts than i do by day of the week you know um but I think that Happy Friday is like, you know, it's a good sticker to put on your Instagram story. But ultimately, it's it's like, oh, you really wanted to get out of work, right? You really wanted that week to end. And then you try to squeeze everything into 48 hours. Like, it's just, it's not the right balance. An 80-20 work-life balance is not the right structure of anyone's life, in my opinion. Um, and I'm doing my best to try to, to try to remedy that. Um, because ultimately it should be the other way around. And even if you are working, it shouldn't seem like that, right? That's the dream. I think that's the dream for a lot of people. Um, but I'm having a great time watching a lot of comedy, just taking things a little easier, thinking about, you know, just relaxing a little bit. And I just mean that in terms of like, so for context, right? I'm a salesperson. Right, I work in sales, and with you know, not dissimilar to a few industries out there. You know, you're only as good as your last month with any kind of sales job. You're only as good as your last month, um, and I've been fortunate to get myself in a position where I'm not really worried about that too too much. But in doing so, I've taken on other responsibilities that do put that stress back on my plate to a certain degree. Now, that's a terrible place to be in because you always feel bunched up. You always feel like, well, what if my next month is terrible? Or, or, or what if this deal doesn't close? Or, you know, you, that whole feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a constant state of stress, which keeps you sharp, admittedly. And I love that. And I love the environment of sales. I love the pace of sales. I love the volatility of sales. I love all of that. But it can be a stressful thing that can end up burning you out. And just recently, I've managed to get myself into a place where I feel that what I've helped build or I am helping build is taking shape into a really exciting phase of development in which I can be a part of that and a significant part of that and an important part of that. And that makes me excited because it allows my creativity to come out. And that's the thing I enjoy most about sales. That's why I got into sales. That's Well, it's not why I got into sales, but it's definitely what I love most about sales um, is, you know, the opportunity to do creative partnerships with really interesting brands that make a difference. And oftentimes we're just chasing numbers and, you know, it's not the best place to be in. It's, as I said, it's a very high stress, little reward 
You know, people say, oh, you can earn a ton, ton of commission, and you certainly can. But you also abuse yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically in the process. And it's not in any way, shape, or form an uneven trade. So when you can bring that work-life balance into perspective and curate your life in such a way that you're not living to work, you're working to live. And I know that's a cliche statement that you've probably heard many, many times before, but it's really true. And if you keep that mindset right in the front of your thinking that you are working so that you can live, you're not living to work. You'll be able to focus on the things that you enjoy more, make time for yourself, spend less time worrying about the things that don't matter and the things that you can't control and more time focusing in on the things that you do and that you can. And I think I found, I'm not there, I'm not optimized in that space yet, but I'm certainly on my way, I feel. And what a great feeling even the journey is. You know, and I don't think the journey ever really ends, but, you know, certainly manifesting a better side of yourself and a more relaxed and a calmer and a more enjoyable side of yourself. It's just a better place to exist overall, right? So I don't know if you guys have any adjustments that you're making or, you know, anything that you're trying to do less of or do more of to make yourself a better person. But, you know, it's all it's all a journey, small steps. Four years ago, I was a maniac. Four years before that, I was even worse. But I look back now on myself 10 years ago and I barely recognize that person. Barely recognize that person. And people think, oh, you know, I knew you from back when, so I know you now. And it's just so untrue. And I wouldn't presume to, to think that about anybody else, like someone I hadn't seen in, you know, however many years. But people are quick to put you in a box and say, ah, you know, I remember at the beginning of my fitness journey, you know, when I was trying to get myself in shape and lose weight, someone came up to me and said, oh, you, you, this is going to last three weeks. Are oh, you juicing and you're, you know, you're, you're bringing your lunch to work and uh, it'll last a couple of weeks and then that'll be it. You know, four and a half years later on, I am arguably in the best shape of my life, healthier than I've ever been. Need to make some adjustments still, sure. But physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, all improved. All of them improved. Somebody told me once when I left Canada, they said, you're running away from your problems. I said, no, I'm running towards a new opportunity. And I have no idea what that opportunity is. And I don't know how hard that struggle will be. But I'm running towards something. I'm not looking at it as running away from anything. I'm looking at it as running towards something. And if I am running away from it, it's running away from heading towards a dead end. That's what I felt like I was in 10 years ago. Whoa, we're, what, 11 years ago? 12 years ago this year is when I came to England and left Canada behind for the most part. I mean, I've been back in 12 years, I've been back four times. Four, is it four? Yeah, I think it's four times. So once every three years. And I don't have any immediate plans to go back. Because I don't feel like there's anything there for me. And if I go there, I'm not going to be going to the place that I would have resided in previously. I'm going completely the other side of the country. And there's a number of reasons for that. But 
the person I used to be when I was there, I am no longer that person. The mindset that I was in all those years ago could not be anything further away from how I feel now. How I act now. What I'm interested in now. And I honestly don't think anything would make me more depressed than going back to that and seeing even the remnants of it, you know, the scars of it, the ashes of that. It just, I have no interest in reliving it. I'm in such a, in such a headspace focused on positivity and progress that going back there would just be like a time warp back into some horror. It would make me feel nauseous, I feel. Like, I don't think I'd feel good at all. And I really don't have any interest in doing it or seeing any of the people. I'll be completely frank with you without being specific. Like, those people are fucking dead to me. And the litany of reasons why they're dead to me would take up probably its own series of podcasts. So I'm not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about is the positivity that's come out of that situation, right? The phoenix from the ashes type of situation. The journey in which led to this position here. That's all part and parcel of it. Would I change it? Yeah, to be honest with you, I probably fucking would. You know, people often say, oh, I'd never change a thing. You know, I wouldn't be the person I am if you know, if I didn't go through the things I'd gone through, I think I would. And I think I would have gotten to this position a fuck ton quicker. I have at this, the struggle that I have gone through is just to get to normal, <laughs> right? It's just to escape chaos. It's just to get rid of negativity and bad habits and, you know, terrible advice or no advice, you know, Narrow-minded thinking, no loyalty, no cohesion, you name it. So normal looked like anything but chaos to me. It wasn't success. And that mindset had to come from my own development, my own research, my own outreach, my own exploration of my own journey that had to come as a manifestation of me turning into the worst thing I could have been, the worst version of myself. It was literally that rock bottom thing where it was like, oh, if you don't change, you're fucking done. You're going to lose everything that you want, everything that you have that means the most to you. And you're going to be on your ass, heading fucking nowhere. Still would have been making money, still would have had a job, still would have had a place to live. But the direction and the path would have been thrown off so severely at that rock bottom moment that I think it would have just been a spiral downwards into nothing. And that's a terrifying prospect. And maybe I would have snapped myself out of it, who knows. But I didn't wait for that moment to come, I did it before then. And I've never looked back. It hasn't been linear, there's been hiccups and bumps and ups and downs and roundabouts and whatever. Success is never linear. A process from start to finish is never linear. It's never straight. It's never a straight line. You're always going to go through adversities, escaping adversity. 
you're always going to go through problems and challenges when you escape a problem or a challenge. You don't just break free of it and then sprint to the finish line. That's not how that thing goes. I had to jump an ocean, leave everything behind and exist on my own and try to build this thing back up. And I went way down, but I'm not there anymore. And I'm never going back there again. And anybody that's not on that journey with me or doesn't get where I'm coming from, I have no time for in the slightest. Because this is about self-improvement now. This is about the best version of myself. I've discovered a way of getting there that works for me. And I think you have to do the same thing. If this is a journey that you end up embarking on or that you're currently on now. But nobody else's prescription is going to work for you. You need to do what is right for you. People need to own the space that they're in and maximize and optimize within that space. And if you understand that and recognize who you are, what your true strengths and your true uh, areas of improvement are, then you'll be able to make the correct adjustments. That's the learning curve. And that comes through honesty. And I had to be honest with myself. I had to be honest with myself that I was fucking up. I had to be honest with myself that I had to leave some people behind. And that is a process that continues to this day. And I had to come to the realization that even though I've been told I was fucking perfect my whole entire childhood for no reason and with no backing to live up to these delusions of grandeur, I had to work my balls off just to be right there, right? There's some attributes that I have, of course, as we all do, that make us special and individual and unique to the next person. But I was given a lot of reinforcement verbally, but nothing from an actionable point of view. I was given no advice. Do you know how terrible it is to tell somebody how great they are, but not give them the tools to actually be great? That is debilitating. And that's where I lived my childhood. After the beating stopped, that was my life. And that is a terribly unproductive place to be in. So we remember those things. But we push them way out of our mind because we don't look back. We look forward towards the goal that we're trying to achieve and the actionable steps that are going to get us there. And if you know what those goals are and they're developed out of the fact that you understand and have honestly assessed your abilities, then you're going to be in a much better position to achieve those goals and achieve the steps necessary in reaching those goals, right? So that's what we do. So every time I get the opportunity to, I laugh. Every time I get the opportunity to hold my sides in laughter, I do that unapologetically, right? On public transport, everywhere. If I'm listening to something and it's funny, I laugh. 
Not enough people laugh, man. Not enough people smile, especially in this big old dark city we call London. If you travel public transport as often as most people in this city do, you know what I'm talking about. People look miserable. They don't make eye contact. They look at you funny if they do. People are rude. People are aggressive. People are selfish. And people can get violent. And that's not how most people are. Unless I'm delusional. <laughs> Unless I'm completely off with that. I don't think most people are. I think most people are good. I think most people have decent intentions. And I think most people just want to be loved. And to get by doing the things that they enjoy. But when you stick 10, 12 million people. However many people live in London. You stick 10 million people together in this small of a space. And, you know, it's that whole, you know, rubbing together, right, causes that friction and that causes that heat and pretty soon you're going to have smoke and then you got a fire and then you've got a problem. And that's all day every day in this city. So you have to be able to be, you know, you have to be able to take a step back and, and look at this thing for what it is. It's just a process and it's a means to an end. As long as you're able to do the things that you enjoy doing, then the rest of it is just part of that journey. Just think about the goal. Get yourself set up to take the right steps and then just focus on the goal, whatever that is, getting in shape, traveling more, being a better husband, being a better wife, being a better father, being, you know, whatever. Being a better teacher, being a better boss, being a better friend, whatever. Focus on that earning more money, saving more money, whatever it is, do it, do it, do it, do it. But you got to have that focus on the process and the end goal and all the other stuff is just peripheral noise that you can then ignore, like negativity, like people's unwanted, unnecessary opinions, like the weather, like the news, like the violence, like the incompetence in politics, etc., etc., etc. What's this person doing? Why are they getting what I want? Who gives a fuck? Focus on you, stay in your lane, and you'll be fine. It's funny because I look at these, I look at this, and I look at it from a from an interpersonal perspective, but I also look at it more from a macro perspective as well, which is really, in, like, I thought it was, like, I was, <clears throat> so on Fridays, right, I just spent time telling you how I go to the gym and how I want to achieve my goals and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, on Fridays, what I like to do is I like to be a fat fuck. <laughs> on occasion, I like to go and I like to get some candy and I like to order some pizza and I like to, you know, just indulge a little bit and be 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 not strict at all, <laughs> effectively. And to give you an example of that, at about 9.30 this morning, I was eating mini eggs, <laughs> So yeah, Fridays are my day. And once I clock out of the office on Fridays, then it's really my day. Um, but I started a little earlier. So I had some mini eggs, I bought some candy at the shop and, uh, and, and I dug in straight away. Now I gotta say, in this kind of actually applies, right? Because in terms of what I was saying about, you know, finding your place and doing your thing and maximizing your own thing and, and recognizing your attributes and the things that make you the individual and the unique entity that you are, 
I saw this in the grocery store this morning. It's really funny, right? So I love mini eggs. Who doesn't love mini eggs, right? Cadbury's mini eggs coming up to Easter. They're a quid for a bag. I buy a bunch of bags and I eat a bunch of mini eggs and I eat way too many mini eggs, but I love them, right? Nothing new here. They hold the market share in that little kind of candied egg, right? There's them and then there's uh, the um, the cream eggs, right? The Cadbury's cream eggs, but they they basically own it. M&M's um, have come out with a version of a mini egg. And they're fucking disgusting. They're nothing like mini eggs. And I'm just thinking, well, like, these are just big M&M's but with a different coating on them that's not as good as mini eggs. And it's just like, stay in your fucking lane. If you're not a mini egg, don't be a mini egg. If you're an M&M, be an M&M. Be the best M&M you can be. You know, like a like a peanut M&M. They're delicious. Peanut M&Ms, they're cool too. Or peanut butter M&Ms, they're cool too sometimes. Regular M&Ms are absolutely fine, but don't try to make a fucking M&M a mini egg, right? What's that saying? If you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, you will think it's incompetent or you'll think it's useless, and so will it. If you judge it on its ability to, to climb a tree, it will think it's useless or something like that. It's the same sort of thing. Not really. <laughs> Not really, but it is. Because I'm saying it is right now. But my point is, if you're a fucking mini egg, be a mini egg. If you're an M&M, be an M&M. Don't be a mini egg. Don't try to be a mini egg. Stay in your fucking lane. Just do the best version of you that you can and you'll be fine. Is my point. And it's applicable to us as people as well, I believe. <laughs> so there you go. Um, in other news. <laughs> in other news. Um, you hear about this man that choked out this mountain lion. <laughs> I mean, this savage motherfucker. I heard the mountain lion was a baby. Uh, or a youth adolescent, but it's still enormous. <clears throat> this is still a wild cat hunting you down when you're going on your morning jog and you having the foresight to fight back and choke this thing out. Like choked it to death, I think. Like put, some, put it in a, like a rear naked choke or something. Or like they don't know how he killed it, but I would imagine that he's either choked it out like that or he stuck his fingers down its nose and fucking held him there and choked it and like opened its mouth and like done it that way like real ghetto savage shit but i don't have the details so we're just going to speculate that that's exactly what he did and he saw it coming and caught it midair and grabbed it by the tail and took it down and then jumped on it and took its back put it in a rear naked choke and then stuck its fingers in its nose until it gave up, submitted, passed out, and then was taken away peacefully. That's what we're going to speculate on this story. <laughs> Even though I don't know any of the details, that's that's exactly what happened, okay? You can print it. <laughs> but how savage is this kid? Or this guy? Or whoever the fuck he is? You know, I'd be booking it. When I go to the gym in the morning sometimes, I see foxes rolling around on the streets because, of course, we're destroying all of their natural habitat. And these street foxes, you know, they're just roaming, trying to go through the bins. Any asshole that's managed to overstuff their garbage bin, you know, and they're open a crack, you're going to know about it the next morning because you're going to have your garbage all over the pavement in front of your house. 
Like they call you out and they leave their shit or your shit, I should say, all over your front step. It happened to us once. And I was like, well, that's never happening again. So now I'll get on top of the bin and I'll stomp on it if I have to. But I'll see these foxes sometimes at 4.30 in the morning when I'm going to the gym. And I get startled. I'm like, what the fuck? Right? And I, I kind of like keep looking over my shoulders, making sure that motherfucker's not really, really hungry. Right? I don't know how hungry a fox has to be to try to take me down or a grown man of any kind down. But if that motherfucker comes at me, I'm putting a boot in his face. And I feel terrible that they're being displaced. I feel terrible that they have to wander the street scavenging through the garbage bins. I don't want that for them. I want them to have their own natural habitat. But don't creep up on me when I'm walking to the gym at four, at four in the morning. And don't pop out your little head from behind a van announce yourself give me a little squeak or give me a little rustle or something bark or growl or some shit don't just hey how you doing hey morning <laughs> don't do that because I, I i i audibly went like oh, the other morning because i got shook i got shook by a 12 pound fox because they look all raggedy and shit. And you don't know. You don't know. I'm not I'm not getting close enough to that motherfucker to see if it's got foam coming out of its mouth or not. I'm avoiding getting bit. So I'm like... I'm like, what would happen if you saw a mountain lion running after you? Because you can't outrun this thing. This gonna, it's going to be on you in literally three seconds. So you're going to fight back? Or are you going to get eaten? Because it's going to eat you. Right? He's going to put his... He's going to do what all cats do. They're going to go for your neck. And then they're going to eat your belly. That's it. That's what cats do. That's on every single feline's resume. Collapse the jugular. And then eat the belly. Check out your house cat the next time it kills a bird or a fucking mole or something like that. Choke it out. That's on a cat's resume. That's their MO. So you gotta fight that motherfucker. And this guy was just like, yeah, jujitsu, bitch. Oh, they, oh, they go up there in the mountains and tell you about that? Tenth planet, ho. <laughs> right? Just choke this little bitch out. But I just think I just think that's completely savage. I think it's completely savage. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how he killed him, but that's how he killed him. He took his back, he flipped him in the air, took his back, put him in a rear naked choke and stuck his fingers in his nose <laughs> until the thing passed out. So, <laughs> I wanted to ask a very, very troubling question. Can somebody out there please tell me why I'm not able to order books straight from the Audible app or why I'm not able to order books on Audible through my Amazon app? Why in the fuck do I have to buy my, my audiobooks on the desktop? For a company as forward-thinking as app or as Amazon is, this to me seems like a 
an absolute no-brainer. I mean, why would you have an app that is strictly controlled by its marketplace not be active on the app? It seems ludicrous to me. So I was like, oh, maybe it's because I haven't downloaded the, the latest version of it or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. You just can't buy them on there. So that's infuriating. And then I go on to my desktop. I get the I get the sign up done or whatever. And they give you like, they're like, oh, sign up and you get three free books. I was like, sweet. It's a three-month trial, right? They're like, you get three. I'm like, okay, cool. And it's like, it's one book a month. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I got my first book and then I went on to look for like another one that I've been interested in reading. And it's like 25 quid. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's got to be a better scale of economy for these digital books, man, because they're not even physical, right? There's no physical printing involved. I know you got to have somebody narrate it and stuff like that, but come on. Like, the Kindle books are digital uh, recreations of the hard copies and the paperbacks, and they're like five quid. But because you got to pay some cunt to narrate it, like... You got to figure out your economy on that one because it's not working for me. I don't know. It just seems like an absolute no-brainer. <clears throat> but what do I know? I'm not Jeff Bezos. But Jeff Bezos is Jeff Bezos. And I'll tell you one thing. That motherfucker needs to start giving up more of his wealth to charity. And I know you capitalists out there are probably thinking, well, who are you to say? What he needs to do with his money. Listen. He has 160 or 140 billion dollars as his net worth. Okay? Nobody needs 160 billion dollars. They just don't. There is no argument that can... I... I don't think there is an argument out there that can convince me that you should have a single individual worth $160 billion when you have the amount of people homeless in that country or around the world. There has to be something done about that discrepancy in wealth distribution. I'm not taking anything away from Bezos being a determined, psychopathic, entrepreneur, you know, crazy businessman. And does he deserve his money? Of course he deserves his money. But there has to be something done in terms of this massive, massive discrepancy between the highest and lowest earners of our societies. There just does. Bill Gates gives away 42% of his entire net worth. Jeff Bezos gives off 4 you know what I'm saying? Like, Bill Gates is trying to end diseases. Bezos is trying to fucking mine asteroids. Because he wants to build rocket ships and send people to Mars. Like, I'm telling you, if you got any, if you got any disposable income, you should invest in aeronautics, robotics, and space exploration I'm telling you that's it
What do you want? You, you guys hear my cat? This motherfucker is food obsessed. Okay, I'll feed you in a little bit. Go away. I'm doing a show. Right, what else is going on, guys? I don't fucking know. I'm, it's Friday night. I'm, I'm just waiting for, for my wife to get wrapped up. And that's it. Then we're, then we're just going to fucking straight chill, man. Just relax. We're going to roll up some weed. Pour a glass of wine. Put the fireplace on. And just chill out. Do absolutely nothing but pet the dogs, snuggle up, and watch some fucking shit movies. That's it. But that's all you need to know. That's all you need to do. It's raining out. It's fucking cold and shitty out. I gotta get my garden prepped because the season's coming up. And at this rate, it's like when? What else is going on, guys? What's going on with you guys? Have you seen this Joe Rogan, Alex Jones beef? Some of you may have. Basically, Joe Rogan had Jack Dorsey on his podcast the other day. And for anybody that doesn't know who Jack Dorsey is, he's the CEO and co-founder of Twitter. Um, he's also the uh, CEO and co-founder of Square, which is a mobile payment system. You may have seen it. It plugs into your phone. and allows people to swipe credit cards through it for transactions for local and small businesses and things like that. So he's worth, you know, he's a billionaire. He's like 5.6 billion he's worth or some shit like that. Like he's crazy rich. He's a computer programmer. Like he came up with Twitter, right? He fucking invented something to change the world, you know? Um, and one of the things that they were talking about was privacy and why Twitter bans, you know, anybody that seems to be, you know, a, a, a more far right commentator, but, you know, allows more liberal voices and left leaning voices to be, to be okay with, you know, radical speech or what would be considered hate speech or, you know, controversial posts or whatever, you know, they seem to take action. Twitter seems to take action against the right-leaning individuals a lot more than the left-leaning individuals. And there is a, you know, there is a thinking that that's because Silicon Valley is all progressive, uh, liberal douchebags, which to a large extent, it seems to be completely true. Um, and that they are actively trying to censor or marginalize people with uh, thoughts, points of views, beliefs that are of the opposite spectrum of them. And there's a lot of truth to that. But this was a lot of a lot of Joe Rogan listeners took saw this as the opportunity for Joe Rogan to maybe grill him on why he was uh, not banning people like Kathy Griffin, who had tried to dox the. Um, and publicly shame uh, the kid with the MAGA hat at the protest at the Lincoln Memorial that was standing in front of the Native American guy banging the drum and everybody condemned him and then later seen that actually that wasn't the whole story and that there was some black nationalist groups that started throwing homophobic slurs at these kids and that they were trying to do chants in uh, response to that hate uh, that was being thrown at them and then the Native Americans were kind of walking up to the boys during these things and that the boys were joining in on some of the Native American chants and then that was just a standing like kind of 
you know, kind of face to face, you know, dispelling of whatever, but it wasn't what it was appearing and what it was made out to be. And everybody jumped to conclusions. Right. Um, so Rogan fans saw this as the opportunity for him to quiz and to grill Jack Dorsey on why this shit happens. And he didn't. They talked and they, you know, discussed various things, but he really didn't go in on him. And I see some of their points, you know, a lot of them are whiny little cunts like most people are on the internet anyways. But I see the point and more and more I found that Joe Rogan can either shy away from asking tougher questions or just not be informed on the points to hand. Like doesn't have the things to hand that he needs to ask and maybe needs to prepare better. Uh, for some of these shows, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, you know, the guy's enormous. He's, you know, he's got a lot of money invested in the um, in the podcast and makes a lot of money from it. You know, he's getting a billion downloads plus a year. You know, the revenue that he makes from his show must be incredible, both across YouTube ads and the podcast ads and, you know, all of that stuff. So I understand why he might be more, more cautious, um, but not preparing, that's not... The only thing I can put that down to is the fact that he's just pumping out so much volume and that he simply does not have the time with all of his other endeavors to prepare properly for a guy like Jack Dorsey. And it's not that Jack Dorsey can like out talk him or talk around him necessarily, but he kind of did because Joe wasn't really prepared to grill him or to interrupt him the way he potentially needed to be or some of his fans thought he would. Now, you do need this stuff exposed. Joe does need to be called out like the rest of us do in terms of, you know, if he does a subpar job. But now he's come out and he's, you know, he's done his podcast with Sam Harris. He's basically apologized for doing a shit job. He said that he wants to have Jack Dorsey back on. Jack Dorsey wants to come back on. Um, so it's one of those things. But people online are just dickheads and, you know, always looking for something to complain about. And yes, he definitely needs to. But if you don't know that Twitter are doing the things that they're doing, then you're a fucking moron. You shouldn't need to hear. I mean, yes, it's always better to hear it from the horse's mouth. Of course it is. But if you don't, does that, does that, does that mean that it's not happening? You can see who Twitter ban and who they don't. You can see that they don't have their privacy policy or their regulation or their terms of service or their fair usage policy in order none of these social media companies do that's why we're in a shitstorm situation that we're in right now facebook giving data anybody that basically fucking pays them for it you know like if you work within advertising you know how this stuff works more than you know say just a, a layman that's that's kind of outside of the industry about cookie dropping and audience extension and and walled gardens and data collection and and data monetization and segmentation based advertising like Easy, easy stuff to get your head around, but not stuff that you potentially know about if you weren't in the industry. Um, I think Joe just needs to just maybe 
not take his foot off the gas in terms of what he's doing with the podcast, but I don't know what else he's doing, but he just needs to prepare better for some of these guests. It's one thing if you've got Tom Segura or you're doing the fight companion and can just riff and talk shit, but if you've got the CEO of a major multinational corporation on or, you know, a professor of this, that, and the other thing, or, you know, you need to prepare. You need to be, you need to be sharp. You need to have pre-prepared questions. You don't need to ask them in a pre-prepared way. You can roll them into conversation, but you need to have them there as reference points. I think it's the same thing in terms of like how we do on the show here and how a lot of people do. You know, it's tough to just sit in a room and talk to a mic. You've got to have some talking points that you want to guide yourself with, and then you can freestyle or maybe go in and out of those things. But you've got to have a premise of stru- and a structure, I think, before you start. Otherwise, you're just kind of walking in the dark, and you don't know what you're going to run into. And I think that's kind of what happens with guests as well. If you just go in there thinking, ah, this is going to be a mate-to-mate conversation, I think sometimes, you know, you can, you can set yourself up for a bit of a poor performance because although you may not think you have an agenda, your guests 9.9 times out of 10 probably do. And you need to be prepared for what that agenda is. So if that's Twitter, that's damage control, right? If that's Facebook, that's damage control. They don't want to talk about how bad their data policy is. They don't want to talk to you about how bad their, um, their uh, you know, switching off of accounts is. They don't. So they're going to skirt around these issues with long answers that make you seem like they're answering the question, but really they've given you nothing but a bunch of words. But then (laughs) you got the guys like Alex Jones, like this motherfucker has been turned off of basically every social network in the world because of his bullshit. And I've said on this show before, I do not think that the internet or internet tech companies should have the uh, jurisprudence to say, or the jurisdiction, I should say, to turn somebody off. They're too big just to simply be considered private corporations. Social media tech companies are more closely aligned, in my opinion, with public utilities. (coughs) They should be regulated and treated accordingly. And therefore, regulated in a way that is more neutral and not politically leaning. If you had an independent utilities uh, regulator, then you could have social media standards set out the same way you have advertising standards or food and drug administration standards or what you know whatever <clears throat> but it needs to be part of the public utilities in my opinion as a communication company because otherwise it's just a free for all and it's going to have political leanings but then you've got guys like fucking Alex Jones and like I said he's been kicked off every platform you can think of but the motherfucker's still getting his content on YouTube somehow some way Because I watched a 30-minute video of him ranting and raving like a madman about how bad Joe Rogan is. Because on the Jack Dorsey and Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan addressed Alex Jones calling him a shill and da-da-da-da-da. And it was quite funny. And then what happened was uh, Alex Jones responded and he was like, he, he was like, 
or we're going to war, Joe Rogan. You've unleashed the beast from hell. I, I don't want to be your friend. I want war. I want war. Right? And he literally went on for 30 minutes talking about babies and incubators and, and Hillary Clinton and, and the demons and, and, and international pedophile rings. And now you're part of it, Joe Rogan, doing these talking points for George Soros because of the cash app. It's like, you're not making any sense. Hey, you're just rambling. You're just saying words one after another and, and, and saying them with some inflection so that people think they mean something. Oh, you've, you've unleashed the beast, Joe Rogan. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be your friend. I never should have been your friend. 20 years ago, I knew you were dirt rotten. 20 years ago, I should have let you go. But I didn't. You seduced me, Joe Rogan. And I'm going to get my hands around your neck. Politically, not physically, right? Matt, if you watch, if you see this thing, it's so funny because every time he lobbies a threat at Joe that would be in the physical form of a threat, he always says, it's political. I mean, politically. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choke you out politically, right? Because he's a fat, out of shape, scumbag who can barely talk, let alone do any sort of physical activity. And let's not forget, Alex Jones is only around to promote products. He's taking the lowest common denominator audience, and if you're an Alex Jones fan, you just got lumped into a category. If you listen to Alex Jones on a regular basis, you're a fucking moron. No, no, no. Let me rephrase that. If you listen to Alex Jones on a regular basis and believe what he's saying, you're a fucking moron. I'm not going to mince my words about that. You're a fucking asshole if you think that what Alex Jones is peddling is true, legitimate, and worth listening to. So there. That's my position on Alex Jones. But I just thought it was so funny because he was he's like, I'm unleashing everything on you, Joe Rogan. Everything. You got yourself into a world of pain you never knew was coming. And like that, I'm going to turn your lights out. This is just step one. And we are only just warming up. Right? Like he's got some fucking ability to just shut people's lights out. Like, motherfucker, you're being sued by all the families in the Sandy Hook tragedy because you're telling them and telling people that it was fake and that their dead kids were actors. And if you listen to this 30-minute video where he's beefing on Joe Rogan, <coughs> you should see how he's trying to backtrack on the Sandy Hook things that he said in the past. He's like, I never said anything like that. I said, and I'm free to look at it, and I'm free to explore the evidence. And I said, mm, some of that evidence is compelling. That's all I said. I didn't say anything of the sort. It's like, motherfucker, there's video of you. There's video of you saying exactly that. Saying that this is fake. Saying that this is a, a false flag operation. These kids are child actors. There's footage of him saying it. So this beef is ridiculous. 
And I don't know how Joe's going to handle it, like, in the in the short to medium term. But I hope he responds with something. I mean, he's not going to, again, because he's too big. His brand is too strong. And him going on a rant back to Alex Jones, to the likes of Alex Jones, and even in... That's what Alex Jones wants. He wants Joe to fight back on this or to argue with him on this. And Joe's too smart for that. He's not going to do that. Um, but it would be hilarious if he just looked into the camera and said, Hey, Alex... Never mind beating me up politically. Come on over. <laughs> or something like that. And he just called him out. Because all the things that Alex Jones' audience like, typically, like they're the type of person that loves some hunting, loves some guns, right? Love my country. Love me a pickup truck, right? <clears throat> they're typical, stereotypical, like what you would call like southern... Texas type Americans, right? Cowboy type Americans, right? They love the outdoors. They love the four by fours and they love shooting bitches. <laughs> they love shooting, they love shooting things and fucking bitches, right? Like it's that kind of shit, right? And for the most part, that's Joe's audience too. Joe has a lot of those people in his audience. So you trying to discredit Joe is going to be a tough thing to do because he appeals to such a wide audience. But I do agree that he needs to do better in his interviews. But, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to link to it or anything like that. But just have a look. I think it's I think it's something like Alex Jones starts war or starts beef with Joe Rogan or something like that. It's about 35 minutes long. I only got through probably 25 minutes of it, but it's hilarious. You got to check it out. So, yeah, that happened. Um, what else is going on? We're almost at an hour, so probably almost done I think obviously don't miss this UFC I've been watching some of the embedded um the UFC in Australia is going to be really really fun I think the, especially the fights that we covered on the last show the 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 top two go away you silly I'll feed you in a minute um the the co-main with Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva and then obviously the main event, which is for the title, that's Robert Whitaker and uh, Kelvin Gastelum. I think those two fights are going to be really, really impressive, really, really entertaining. Um, so if you're around, it'd be worth taping those and and, and checking them out on Sunday morning. Uh, and also, like we said before, you can skip all the commercials and shit, so you don't have to. You know, it doesn't have to be a three or four hour, five hour thing. You can do it in basically an hour and a half if you're if you're quick with it. So um, definitely check that out. Also, if you haven't seen the weirdest fucking documentary ever, check out um, "Abducted in Plain Sight" because this thing's like. I mean, I've seen better documentaries for sure, but <laughs> it was fantastic in its strangeness because. Um, and let me just spoiler alert this straight up front. If you haven't seen this, turn this off now. We're at the end of the show. This is the last thing we're going to cover, and then we'll be back next week with more shows. But if you haven't, uh, if you have seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't care about it being spoiled for you, then just listen. Um, because it's the weirdest fucking thing ever. So this family um, became friends with this guy, B, his name was, and... He really befriended the family and really befriended the daughter who was like 12. And the family didn't really see anything wrong with this. And he started staying over. Anyways, long story short, he kidnaps the girl. But because he's already fucked the mom and gotten a hand job, and I'm putting hand job in quotes because I think fucking <coughs> him and the dad did way more. <coughs> he threatened to expose them to their Mormon community. 
if uh, if he said anything about kidnapping. So they didn't. And then uh, he would come over and he would sleep in the little girl's bed and he would pretend that she was on like an alien mission and play her recordings of like a weird alien type voice. And then he kidnapped her again. Like this girl was just abused on all fronts but you've got to watch it because you've never seen a more meek or fucking weird family and i really think something else is going on i felt when i when the documentary was over i felt like we hadn't been given all the details and by that i mean from the family like i don't think the dad gave the guy a single one-off hand job in a parking lot somewhere you don't go from nothing to that just by by the guy saying, "You know what? I'm really I'm really not in a good place. I need some relief. Would you mind jerking me off?" Like that's not going to happen unless you're already that way inclined. If you already have a proclivity towards that kind of behavior, then then you're more likely to go, "Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll fucking, you know, jerk you off or I'll suck your dick or whatever." But mate guys as soon as you see this guy you're gonna know what i'm talking about you're gonna be like yeah they definitely fucked on multiple occasions so he was fucking the dad he was fucking the wife and he was raping the daughter that's some kind of fucked up man but it's on netflix it's called um abducted in plain sight because he basically groomed this girl in front of her parents while he was grooming the parents as well very very peculiar um but you got to check it out so if you haven't if you need some light Something light to watch this weekend? Check that out, yeah? And uh, and then move on to The Punisher and watch some proper violence. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's it, guys. We're about an hour, so I think we're going to wrap up. It's been a good it's been a good show, actually. Um, we'll be back next week. I think I'm going to be able to do one or two next week, depending. Um, definitely going to get one, but maybe two again. That'd be great. We'll recap the um, the UFC fight that's happening this weekend, and, uh, and we'll get, be able to give you, hopefully, an update on Brexit, which is in fucking shambles at the moment, as we talked about on the last show, and not getting any better because Labour have now said, oh, well, these are our, you know, unconditional terms that you have to write into law, Theresa May, or we're not, or we're going to go with a no-deal Brexit. It's like, motherfucker, <coughs> you could write all the things you want into law. If the EU says they're not going to negotiate with you on it, that's it. So why not just go to the second referendum? Because that's what labor are going to do if they don't have this. If they don't get their way with these conditional points, they're going to go towards having a second vote. But the EU have already categorically stated that they're not going to negotiate on these points. So why not just go to the second referendum? That's what everybody wants at this point anyways. And if you're still of the mindset that Brexit was a good idea and leaving the EU was a good idea... You need to go and find a brick wall, face it, stand about six inches away, and then ram your fucking head into it until you pass out. Okay? I want you to go and beat the shit out of yourself. Because if you're still of that mindset, you're a fucking halfwit. Okay? But for the rest of you out there, I love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for always coming back to the show. We appreciate you guys. And listen, hey... We submitted to, uh, to Spotify, and they took it in. So we should be on there next week. I'm just waiting for the email confirmation, which is fantastic. So now you can get us on iTunes. I think in the future we're probably going to leave Spotify or um, leave SoundCloud. I think I'm going to host with somebody else to give you better analytics on your performance because the analytics on Spotify on 
on uh, SoundCloud, I should say. We're going to leave SoundCloud. Um, the, the analytics on SoundCloud are terrible. Um, and I've seen some other providers out there, Podbean and Libsyn and, and different people like this who just provide a way deeper level of insights for around the same hosting costs. So I'll use SoundCloud still as a distribution platform, I think. Um, but I'm not going to use it as a hosting company anymore. Uh, I want to move all that stuff over. So I'll keep you guys informed on that. But in the meantime, check us out on iTunes and rate us and like us and do us all, you know, give us that reinforcement. Give me positive reinforcement, guys. I need your, I need your sign off, please. Um, go on there and, uh, and, and check us out. And if you like the show, give us an upvote, give us a rating, whatever, man. It always helps people, other people find the show. Um, you know, this it's a jungle out there with the podcast thing because everybody and their mother is jumping on it. It's like, oh, I want to do a podcast about umbrellas. You know, it's like, okay, cool. I'm sure it'll do really, really well. Yeah, I want to do. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna do a weekly podcast on um on coat hangers. You know, I like coat hangers, not not the plastic ones. We're just gonna do the metal ones. It's like, you know. But who the fuck am I to say anything? I'm here doing my thing. I'm in my own little space. And we just want this thing to grow and grow and grow. But, you know, for you guys that are listening, you guys that are coming back, we appreciate you. Uh, keep tuning in. We're only going to keep getting better and keep doing this thing. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. It's episode 70, and it's coming to a wrap. Um, have a great weekend. And uh, and stay positive. Stay productive. Stay stay moving forward, man. Stay focused. And uh, until next week, uh, when we come back and do it all over again, I, you know, ha- have a great uh, have a great great couple days off. Uh, my name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing called the Quiet Part Loud. And uh, until next time, guys. All the best. <laughs>